Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful people with the power of your love. Take our minds and think through them. Take our lips and speak through them. Take our souls and set them on fire. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a new bishop-elect. The Reverend Jennifer Redall of the Church of the Epiphany in New York City was elected bishop yesterday on the very first ballot. The church, with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, spoke very definitively, and we will all be heirs of this good news for many years to come. We'll talk more about this in our forum after today's service, but for now, we will commit to praying for Bishop-elect Jennifer and for her ministry. Today, we're wearing red because we're celebrating the Feast of St. Luke, physician, writer, evangelist, follower of Jesus. The mystery behind Luke is all about who he was, a non-Jewish follower of Jesus, writing for the Greek-speaking world. And he's definitely a doctor because the diagnoses he uses in any of his descriptions about illness are in line with what medical professionals would have done in his era. Luke's approach in all that he writes is about being thoughtful and writing a complete work so that we hear stories in Luke's gospel and in the Acts of the Apostles that we don't hear anywhere else. The birth of John the Baptist, the Annunciation, the Christmas story with the shepherds and the baby Jesus in the manger, the parables of the Good Samaritan, the prodigal son, the one about the Pharisee and the tax collector. Jesus is pretty likable in Luke's gospel too because his personality is very gentle. He forgives everyone. Luke writes about the ascension once in the gospel and again in his sequel, The Acts of the Apostles, where he also tells us about this arrival, this arrival of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and how that event changes everyone. Luke records the transformation of the apostles as something so great that he has them running off into the desert and baptizing servants of foreign heads of state, such as the chief treasurer of the queen of Ethiopia. He also depicts and tells us he's one of the only glimpses we get of the story of St. Paul's conversion as well. And Luke continues by telling us he's the only one that really gives us a good picture also of how the church decided to ordain people as deacons. This is all exclusive to Luke. Something tells me that Luke was heavily influenced by the arrival of the Holy Spirit. Because as someone on the outside, someone who was not Jewish, who was not part of the inner circle... He wasn't one of them, but he was on the outside. But he had some kind of Pentecost moment when he discovered Christianity in a powerful conversion moment where suddenly God became personal and real and God's spirit shaped and transformed his life into something that wherever he would eventually go, he would never look back. 
Luke's story in both the Gospel of Luke and the Acts of the Apostles is the longest text we have in the New Testament. The longest. Over 40,000 words. He had to have interviewed thousands of people, traveled to places that were probably quite dangerous at his time, and at one point, as the second letter to Timothy indicates, probably exiled to a place far away from his community, but always faithful to the risen presence of Jesus, found with inspiring breaths of the Holy Spirit wherever he would go. Something about the Holy Spirit must have given Luke purpose with his work. A spark of amazement or insight must have given him the realization that all he had been given in life was God's and that God could use him to actually change the world. Luke and Acts uses this word pneumati. We get, we use a word in English, pneumatic, but pneumati in Greek, we translate it in English as spirit. Over a hundred times he uses this word. Over a hundred times, more than any of the other gospels combined. The Holy Spirit fell upon Luke and changed his life forever. The Holy Spirit is the producer behind this narrative by Luke that we read today. This famous passage from Luke about Jesus in the synagogue in Capernaum, a village on the Sea of Galilee. He's in the synagogue and he unrolls the scroll from Isaiah and starts reading in front of everybody all the way to this part. He tells them all about how the Spirit of the Lord is upon him and he, he concludes his portion with saying, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolls it up and gives it to the attendant and sits down. Well, everybody is looking at him, and as this story tells us, the eyes of all are fixed on him because Jesus doesn't read the last line of verse 2, which says, and the day of vengeance for our God. In the eyes of Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord falls upon those who bring good news to the poor, release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed people go free and to proclaim God's favor on all creation. The vengeance piece? Well, that's old school. But not now, when the kingdom of God is now breaking in. In this new holy realm, you and everything about you matters. The good the bad, and the ugly. And the Holy Spirit needs you to show up to find those places in yourself that feel utterly disconnected to God and to inhale, to breathe the breath of God that will fall upon any who will ask because instead of vengeance, God will give you love and show God's favor upon you. The Spirit made St. Luke turn his life into a ministry to tell the known world everything that he had experienced and heard and felt and seen to witness to a true joy of a God that is alive, a God that is personal, a God that wants to stop at nothing 
to be in relationship with you and to help you transform yourself into that marvelous creation that you are, that marvelous, beloved, holy, loved child of God. In fact, this conversion that Luke had through the Holy Spirit made him generous with his time with his inquiry of every story that he could learn about Jesus, generous with his writing talent to accurately, to thoughtfully write about everything that he could report, and generous with every kind of treasure he could collect, relationships, travels, people, and in his sharing, his moments of sharing with the early church. After all, it's in Luke's Acts of the Apostles where we see the early church holding all things in common. As he writes, they would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. We learned this from Luke. Luke saw the generosity of the early church and his message invites you to live into this way of life too, a life of giving and generosity. To the early Christians, God's love was absolutely everything. And as a result, they lived their lives believing that God would take care of them. And God can and will do far more than that. Now, I know some of you have heard this story, so my apologies to you, but it's still the best example that I know of in my own life. In 2006, I went with a group of 10 people from my seminary to Myanmar, otherwise known as Burma, in Southeast Asia, to meet members of the church there. One Sunday after visiting a village church, the priest and his entire family took us to lunch at a local Chinese restaurant. The amount of food that we were served was so abundant it was literally flowing off the table. And after we had eaten more than we could have ever eaten at home, it was time for dessert. And the wait staff came around with trays of apples. And one of our hosts smiled at us and said, very special. And our professor smiled back and said, oh, very special. So we as students are looking at our professor and we go, okay, well, we might as well take from her cue. And so we smiled at our host and said, very special. So we... We had no idea what we were doing at all. We didn't know why we were saying this, but we ate our apples and we said thank you for the generosity and went back to our guest house. And on the way there, our professor asked us, do you know what just happened? To which we said, no, what? And she explained, apples are not grown in Myanmar and they are very expensive. They're about a dollar a piece. And you see, church workers in Myanmar may make at the most $15 a month. So that means that the priest spent at least three quarters of a month's salary for you just to eat dessert. Yes, that's very special indeed. Indeed it was. Imagine what, imagine what our world would be like what our society would actually be like if we really lived this way towards our neighbors, even towards strangers. Imagine. 
In the words of David Watson, perhaps the reason that today we are afraid to risk our property, to dig into our savings, to choose less lucrative careers, is that we are not really yielded to God, not really living into the full unhindered presence of the Spirit. We think that God is unable to take care of us. But the truth is that God's love overflows within each of us. Every time we wake up, every time we wake up and breathe in, the Spirit of God is filling us and renewing us with whatever we need to take on the new day. This is the Holy Spirit that St. Luke witnessed. This is the Holy Spirit that makes the people of Trinity Cathedral generous to our cathedral congregation in a time of stewardship, to our neighborhood in making it a better place to live, throughout also our entire world, sharing love and making a difference every step of the way, welcoming all to be transformed in Christ through worship, fellowship, and service. God's love overflows and continues to overflow at Trinity. We might sometimes be like St. Luke, feeling like someone on the outside. But then we engage, and we are a part of things, and we start seeing Christ's love and the Holy Spirit at work right here, calling us to be wrapped up in this abundant presence of love, literally poured out for others as a libation, as the love of God that literally saves us and saves the world. St. Luke called us into seeing this by his writing. Jesus is calling us to live it out now. How will your generosity pour out from you and transform your life? To breathe in the breath of God's Holy Spirit that will fall upon any who will ask. A God that is alive. A God that is personal. A God that wants to stop at nothing to be in relationship with you and help you transform yourself into that marvelous creation that you are, that marvelous, beloved, holy, loved child of God. God's love will pour out from you. The Holy Spirit will give you the gift of transformational generosity. The love never ends. Just pause and breathe in. God is right there. The inspiring breath of the Holy Spirit waits. Waits for you.